0: This episode of Awesome People features Payan Banifaz. Maybe that name doesn't ring a bell, but how about Mr. Esfahani? Yes, I had a chance to talk to the creator of this iconic role of a character that he's been playing in the past year and a half since the inception of the pandemic. And he's made us laugh, but there's more to this man who's been creating this funny character for us to enjoy on Instagram. He's a super talented actor that's been working up the ranks in Hollywood, having reoccurring roles on popular shows such as Shameless, but uh, get to know him much better in this episode of Awesome People where we get to know more about his childhood and how he suffered through PTSD and anxiety and um, how he kind of led to this role of Mr. S. and where he hopes he can take this character and his talents. Stay tuned and enjoy. This is dedicated to anyone that's been knocked down, but not out. The ones that fell to their knees, but rose back up. The ones that scratched and clawed, but never let go. The ones willing to admit their faults, move past their failures, and improve every single day. I hope these conversations encourage you to think critically, make you laugh hysterically, inspire you profoundly, and remind you to practice gratitude daily. My name is Iman Houshmand. Welcome to the conversation. Welcome to Awesome People. What's up, Awesome People? It's so great to see all of you again. It's been a while. It's been about a month and a half since the last episode. We're doing our best to um, have some more conversations with you guys more often. So I appreciate you guys joining us tonight after somewhat of a hiatus. Um, for those of you who are joining for the very, very first time, the Awesome People podcast Is really just meant to be a series of meaningful conversations that hopefully uh, allows us to go a few layers deeper and have some conversations of substance, something that will hopefully uh, motivate you, inspire you, educate you, entertain you, make you laugh, uh, sometimes perhaps make you cry, but in a good way, because at least you're kind of learning and you're growing. And um, like I said, we try to do it as often as we could, given our limited time and resources. This is episode 23 have had the distinguished pleasure of having some awesome people as a guest in the past, and tonight is no different. Um, his name is Payom Banifaz, and also goes by Peter Banifaz. He is um, you know, an American actor, comedian, writer. Uh, many of you who actually follow American TV might know from his reoccurring role from Shameless, but there's also uh, roles that he's had in Veep, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and um, a lot of different things that I don't even follow as much, but I was drawn into him uh, with the hilarious cat character that, created, that he created during quarantine and pandemic called Mr. Esfahani. So I myself uh, am in the phase of still getting to know the man behind this hilarious character. Not just Mr. Esfahani, but a series of, of, of uh, characters that have made us laugh in the last 15, 16 months. And I know that a lot of you who are watching uh, the Awesome People podcast probably just know him from that character, but the more that I've gotten to know him uh, from afar in the past uh, few months, the more I appreciate uh, the journey that he's gone through, the more I appreciate um, the amount of energy and and soul and passion he's put into making literally thousands of us uh, happier, more joyful and laughing at our culture, but not like in a bad way, like in a way of just acknowledging that these are interesting things uh, within our culture, you know, and um, I love how he um, presents his comedy in such a positive light and with, with quality, you know, and you can tell that it's thought out and planned. So it's been wonderful to see him from afar. And if you guys were a part of our celebration of Noru's 24-hour live stream, he made a cameo as, as Mr. Esfahani. So that was definitely a fun experience. Um, and just in general, for again, for those of you who don't know, our mission is so, uh, to, you know unite. Uh, hyphenated persians from all around the world so people like you who may have been uh, born and raised in europe and united states and canada and you know your parents went through hard times to to get us to a better place and you had to go through tough times to acclimate to western life or whatever uh, this awesome people and the umbrella company of unite and conquer mm-hmm. is really mm-hmm. all about that is to unite us to bring us together so that we can continue to support and 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 respect and love each other and our our culture, you know, and so so happy to be here. And for those of you who are not familiar, we also have a Persian music live stream, it's called Zendigi. Uh, this Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern will be our 10th episode. We've been alternating between a super talented DJ Kia and DJ Ari Jam, 100% Persian music, the new, the old, the classics, the hip hop, the, the pop, the traditional, whatever it is that's great in Persian music. Uh, it's always played during our Zendigi. Uh, Persian music live stream. So the link to join us this Thursday is in the description below We are trying to build a community via music through meaningful conversations and live events. Of course uh, We recently had a boat party in in DC a couple weeks ago And we're looking to have more in Miami back in DC and hopefully in LA Um, And that's what we're doing and the best part is that we always have a percentage of the proceeds helping Persian refugees in Greece. If you watched the last episode, uh, Dr. Mojgan Hakimi, she is the founder of the Persian American Women's Conference. It's a 503C3. They've worked uh, incredibly in helping uh, support Cafe Pator in Greece, which is a community center that is welcoming Persian refugees to provide them with some type of shelter, food. Um, Mental health program. So, guess what? When you support this program as an advertiser, as a sponsor, as a viewer, there's always going to be a percentage that we're going to continue to donate to um, this incredible organization. Uh, Persian American Women's Conference so uh, that's pretty much what this is all about we get to unite and we get to conquer we get to learn from each other support each other love each other and hopefully make sure that our generation is the one that um, improves everything that our generation prior has worked so hard to get us to we have an obligation to pass on this baton to the next generation and Payam is doing it in his way uh, which is why I'm so excited to have him here tonight and before we get him to come on the screen we're going to play you one of his many, many, many hilarious clips, and then join me in about thirty seconds as I welcome Payam to the show.
1: I get kazomi khodisi ni bia. Eh, I get kazomi khodisi ni bia. Eh, papa, I get kazomi khodisi ni bia. In cha ye man kujas? <laughs> in golse cholesterol man kujas? Mideri pesar Hossein ra Harvar? Mideri pesar Khala darmin Harvar? In pesar Baghaliye darmin harvard. Alright, so ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to make sure that you know we kick off
0: the show with some laughter, so. I think that's the way to start off a show with one of his hilarious clips. Uh, without any further ado, please help me virtually welcome Payam, aka Peter Anifaz. What's up, Payam? Good, nice I've met. I appreciate dude, that. Ca- that couch has become so famous uh, for all of us. You know, I feel like I've been on that couch.
2: <laughs> it's a little bit embarrassing. I feel like so many people have seen my couch and like my couch, uh, my crappy sort of. uh, uh, couch pillows and yeah. Um, I think people (laughs) kind of know a lot of people who I don't know, know what the inside of my apartment looks like.
0: We love it. We love it. I'm so so happy to have you here and, You know, it's just been such a unique past 15 months for you. No, I mean, like you literally have been busting your ass in Hollywood, trying to do different shows and being a part of awesome TV programs. And all of a sudden you become this popular figure in the Persian, uh, especially the hyphenated Persian world, which is what I call, uh, which is the millions of Iranians that were kind of raised outside of Iran. I'm sure you have fans from inside of Iran. So um, before we actually really get into the, the mr isfahani and right here i want to actually just kind of go back to where it all started you know and that is your upbringing in iran so can you just kind of tell people like you know where you were born and kind of the, the up until the 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 war and your family leaving to us uh, to to england and then to, to the us part can you kind of start off with that aspect yeah uh so i i was
2: born in tehran um, and. Uh, I when I was uh I believe I was born a little bit before um the uh sort of the war the Iran-Iraq war started um and uh I remember a cup I mean I was really young, but I think I remember was we're around, I was around three years old when the war really started and the bombings really started. Mm-hmm. And then, so majority of my, uh, memories of Iran from that time are about the war. And, uh, so, um, that's kind of the extent of, like, I remember spending a lot of time in this. We lived in an area called Ekbatan in Tehran. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe the the, the region
0: was Usa Usa Yusuf. Oh, I definitely would not know. I never lived in Iran. Ah, but, man, uh, my, dad
2: <laughs> my dad literally said literally said it yesterday and I was like right 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 and now <laughs> I actually can't pronounce it. But um so anyway, it was in that area. It was in Tehran and uh we lived in a big apartment complex and we spent a lot of time in the cellar during those those bombings. Uh you know, at some point, I think it was like three times, four times a week. We were spending in a cellar because they'd be the they would be doing these bombing raids over Tehran. And then so basically we'd have to go in the cellar and and at that point you just hope that the bombs don't drop on you, you know? Yeah. That that yeah.
0: And, and and listen, I did I didn't mean to kind of start the program off in such a heavy way, but I feel like it had so much to do with the Pyron Binding files that we see now. And and I felt that it's very important. For people to really see where your history comes from because one thing that i really appreciated you talked about in a previous podcast was how your mother acknowledged the the mental health component of you being raised around these bombs and around this type of uh, fear and concerns you know and which is, you know, obviously we know that in the Persian culture, there's such stigma, like depression? What depression? What are you talking about? Suck it up and let's go. And you've had a lot of that in your in your skits as well. And that's just how our parents were raised as well, you know, is to not address these things. But your mom seemed to be a somewhat of a trailblazer in, in regards to like immediately put you in uh, getting a child psychiatrist and like I res- <laughs> I respected the fact that you know in past conversations you you know you said it yeah you know I, I had to see a psycho psychiatrist <laughs> so if you don't mind just kind of touching on that experience that at the young age you're talking to a counselor or a psychiatrist about the impact that growing up in a war-torn country had on you
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, I, when we, uh, so we left Iran, my mom at some point basically was like, I can't raise the children and and like, I can't raise them during a war. So we, my mom was the one who really made that decision and I can't imagine how difficult it was she was still, uh, she was still a, a young person, and uh, with two young kids, what happened? We went to England for a couple of years, and when I first got to England, um, I was having a lot of nightmares. Um, I had extreme separation anxiety. My mom used to tell me stories where she'd be in the bathroom, and I'd sit outside the bathroom waiting for her to come out. Like, and she understood at that time. Again, even though she was young, and like you said, culturally, unfortunately, we. Uh, are a little bit behind on the issues of uh, getting help for mental health. And at that time we were even farther behind and it was during the eighties. Nobody knew much about mental health and to that extent. Um, and then, uh, but, but she knew enough to be like, okay, I'm going to take him to a child psychologist. And then they sort of diagnosed me as like having a f- mild form of, or so at least it's a form PTSD. of uh, PTSD. Yeah. Um, the beautiful thing about being a kid is though, once you're out of that element that caused you the trauma, you start to heal pretty fast. I mean, the first day, my uncle, because we were stay with my uncle and aunt back then. And uh, first day, he took me to like a five-story toy store called Hamleys that's like renowned in all of the UK. And Ooh. I was like, you know what? I think everyone's gonna be, everything's going to be just fine here. Uh, so I was able to adapt very quickly. I think my coming to the US adapting was much harder.
0: And then so when you actually ended up coming to the us here you are what eight nine years old and you're kind I was, of, yeah right around am i correct, I'm yeah, correct? i was eight i was yeah. eight yeah and so you know you're eight nine years old coming into la and i understand that it wasn't exactly like an affluent area of like la so it's not like you were around all these persians uh all. No, tell t- 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 me about the experience of like the the types of demographics of people that you were all around with and then mm. uh, how like um how that kind of like impacted your acclimation to, to California. Cause I'm sure it wasn't anything that you had expected <laughs> LA.
2: No, 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 no. I, I, I mean, I was so ignorant coming to this country. I, I literally thought that the streets in, in like Los Angeles were paved with gold. Like I literally thought, so when we came and we lived in an area and no disrespect to this area because the wonderful area I was raised here is, is an area Conoga Canoga park, mm. uh, which is very different now. But at the time, back in the late 80s, it was completely different than it is now. Now it's significantly more gentrified and whatnot. Most of LA, a lot of LA is. But um, uh, so I, the in my neighborhood, the majority of people were either Mexican or El Salvadorian. And we also had some Filipino families as well. Mm-hmm. So that was the extent of the type of people that I was meeting. And that's who I learned English from. That's who I learned like, you know, I, that's how I learned how to kind of be an American from, I learned how to be American from non-white people. Um, that's the area I lived. I didn't know any Iranians until I was like way later in high school when I started meeting some uh, Iranian people in high school, but I had no interaction with them when I was younger. Um, but I'll tell you, um, I was, I never had a problem. I The only times I had a problem fitting in was when I was around large groups of like white people you know not to again not, not to this is not to make a statement about white people but but when i was around the folks that i grew up with in my neighborhood i felt very accepted and i felt very yeah something um, absolutely because i didn't understand where they were from they didn't understand where i was from my culture i didn't understand theirs but we knew that we were both immigrants we knew that and I learned that we had, had that Iranian culture has so many similarities with Mexican culture, El Salvadorian culture, Filipino culture. Uh, yeah, Um, I, I started meeting, uh, uh, and becoming friends with uh, a lot of black people and a lot of black folks and then understanding how similar our culture was, um, with them. So like that was kind of the extent of like how I learned I don't know how to be American. Um, so I feel really, really fortunate that I was raised in a very diverse environment, gave me a lot of understanding about different types of people in this country. Um, gave me a lot of pride for the city I live in, city I grew up in. Um, and you know, it just gave me a a love and a respect for being around diverse groups of people, um, which I hold to this day. And, um, yeah, it's something I'm very proud of.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm mean, i sure that diversity is it has really kind of um, helped you evolve into the person that you are, is that you kind of embrace different nationalities, different cultures, and like, you know, when you have that type of, uh, I guess, connectivity with those kind of people, it makes you evolve from a social standpoint. You know, you're able to kind of connect with so many more people, instead of just having your blinders on and, you know, not being able to have that exposure to other sure. people, I guess, you know? But uh, what, what I want to kind of ask you is when you were, um, it seemed like from a very early on, you really wanted to start going to acting like you felt like you were an entertainer. But obviously going to Hollywood, it's such a tough, tough business, you know, and mm-hmm. I know you grinded. I, I, I believe you still are grinding because it's just such Brilliant. a cutthroat type of business. Uh, I don't want to talk about how <clears throat> difficult it was to convince your parents to go through it. I want you to just kind of tell me about the journey itself. And like, if there's other Persians who want to follow the same path, because as you know, there's not that many of us out there, you know, like that's what I really love and appreciate about what you're doing is the fact that there are not that many Persians representing us. And I know how, uh, you use the word normalization, which I loved, you know, about how, you know, you just want a Persian version of like crazy rich Asians kind of stuff, you know, where like the good parts Mm -hmm. of their culture are shown and, and stuff. So can you kind of just speak to like, um, what, what is it that like you want to make sure that Iranian Americans or Iranians are like represented and just a whole road that you had to have been taking now for fifteen 20 years i believe um in this industry um i,
2: I you know it, it's uh it's like for me when i made the decision I, for a very 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 long time I tried my best to just sort of n- hide my interest hide my feelings cuz i thought to myself that this is not something that can happen for somebody like me like i i felt like maybe i would be living in a dream world if i was able to pursue it it really got to a point where i just couldn't i couldn't go one more day without not going let me at least try this like there's got to be a reason why this is i've been feeling this way for so long and i wasn't even i didn't even was i wasn't like hey i think i'm very talented or i'm funny i should try this it was like I can't stop thinking about this. I don't even know if I'm good or not. I might suck, but at least I can go find out. And if I suck, I can at least be 65 years old, look back and say, Hey, I tried that thing and I sucked at it. But if I never tried it, I don't care how successful I could have been from something else. And maybe I wouldn't even been successful at something else. I don't know, but like I couldn't picture living my life, not at least trying. It. So like once I made up my mind, I was going to do it. Um, you know, I, I, I I would tell anybody, whether they're Iranian or anybody in this business or like when you want to pursue your dreams and especially something in entertainment, don't be afraid to be afraid because at that time I was shit scared. When I made that decision, I remember I was sitting on my bed, I had anxiety, like just beating in my chest. Um, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat, but I knew that I had made this decision that was going to change the rest of my life. And how? I'm sorry,
0: how old were you here?
2: Man, I was, I, I, this is a little, I was a little bit older in life. I was like 26 when I finally made this decision
0: to, what were you, what were you doing work wise right before? Cause like, you know, like before you kind of decide I'm going to screw this and go full time with this.
2: Well, I mean, you know, I, I I got my bachelor's in political science. I was going to go to law school. And then, so, but instead of going straight to law school, I took a couple of years off. I was working, I was working at the time the mortgage business, especially in California was booming. So I kind of got into that just to make a little bit of money after uh, college. But my idea was to go to law school, but you know, it's not something what I really wanted to do. I just thought this is something, this is the only thing I can do, you know? So, um, and, uh, but that's what I was doing at that time when you decided to go all in. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I can't even really explain what made me suddenly at that go all in. And because I had been thinking about this for a long time, but it just, I remember one time just, it was just one day where I was just like, I don't think I can go through the rest of the day tomorrow. If I don't make some move towards this, like, it just, that's the best way I can describe it. Where it's just like, I got so fed up to uh, about lying, like lying to myself. I was so tired of carrying the weight of that, not being honest with myself that I,
0: uh,
2: yeah, I just, I was like, that, I have to do this.
0: Like, I have to do this. And Would you say, sorry to cut you off, would you say that this no, was like a, would you say this was like an all or nothing move for you? Like, did you just feel yeah. like- you absolutely need to follow your heart and like whatever may happen, it will happen. But at least you don't live a life of regret. I, I sat there and I was like crying on my bed.
2: I remember because and I was so scared because when I asked myself, am I willing to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever road this takes me good or bad, am I willing to do that? And when I said yes, uh, I knew, I knew the weight of that, you know, I knew what was about to come, which, and it was the same thing that came, which was over a decade of hardship over a decade of proving myself day in, day out to my family, casting directors, producers. So what I thought how difficult it was going to be, it was, you know, and like you said, it's still sometimes a struggle. Especially, I mean, certainly the pandemic didn't help me or any actor. It didn't help anybody in the business because, you know, production was kind of destroyed for so long. But in the end of the day, um, I, it, it, I didn't want to have a plan B. You know, I, I, you know, my dad really at first he was like, "Bro, you're crazy. This is fucking nuts." We got past that. Then we got into, "Okay, this is nuts." but you need a plan B. And I was like, my fear was that a plan B would mean failure to me. You know, A plan B would mean trying. And then I don't even watch Star Wars, but this Star Wars quote from Yoda where it's like, do or don't, there is no try. And I was like, to me, having a plan B would feel like I'm trying to do this as opposed to no matter what, I'm going to do this. Because I, I was like, bro, I, here's the thing. Like I got into an accident in 2003, I broke my neck. I almost lost my life. I almost lost everything. I almost was paraplegic, basically. And that didn't happen. I, that didn't happen. Luckily, it was fine. I, I broke my neck. You know, I was in. Did you have a
0: halo? Because my sister broke her yeah, neck. And I didn't actually,
2: have it. Oh man, bless her. Thank, thank God, it's okay. It's incredible. I didn't have yeah. a halo. I didn't have a halo. Luckily, I had just this sort of thing around my. Yeah.
0: But that's so a very humbling, that point, humbling
2: experience, I'm sure. Extremely. And I thought to myself, bro, I, my family went through so much. I personally went through so much. I almost lost my life. All this stuff to, that I know I got one shot at this life. I'm going to, if I don't at least attempt this, I feel like I'm spitting in the face of all of that, you know, and uh, not to sound so, make it sound so dramatic, but at the time you know when you're deciding what your life is going to be especially when you know it's not an easy one you're choosing it's like you almost have to make it that important to yourself you almost have to make it do or die and i know that people say don't make your work your everything but i do feel like if you're an artist especially an artist trying to come up i don't think you have a choice i mean that's my opinion i People, people have every right to disagree with that, but that's the only way I could do it. Personally. Well, it's,
0: it's your truth, so it's nobody else's opinion that matters, but what's, what's interesting is that it seems like you had like a life-altering experience when that uh, accident happened, and I I didn't know that about you, actually, but I had this bad accident where I should not have mm. made it out alive, and I feel like my entire trajectory in life at the age of 20 changed because I was like, I should not be here. Like every day is for me, like just an extra day that God decided to give to me. And would you say that that's a type of turning point that it had on your life?
2: Absolutely. Because I was on the way back from Vegas. We were having fun with my friends. Like we were having a blast. We drove back um, and we had a rear left tire pop. And this was on a Sunday and I woke up Monday afternoon. And, you know, And what I had to experience physically over the next like month and a half was absolute hell. And it's like, after that, I truly think it altered my perception of what life is and what my role in this life for me is. And it absolutely changed my life for the rest of my life. Like I went from a stupid ass kid to
0: a Fully
2: focused. <laughs> uh, Certainly, you know, I mean, I, I, I went, I think my maturity level increased overnight because of that. Um, and that's, that's, the, that's the thing, A problem about pain. That's the problem about suffering where it feels so bad, but it's always, almost always good for you to some extent. And it's, but it just feels like, you know, it just feels like hell when you're going through it. But as I say, when you're going through hell, you just keep going.
0: Well, I, f- I feel like all of a sudden life became more like a purpose-driven um, experience for you. And you just wanted to make sure every day counts. And there is a component that I want to touch on a little bit later um, that, that goes back to what I think is what your driving force is behind what you're doing. But I, it's just an assumption. And I'll, I'll let you answer it. Uh, I do want to go into COVID, which is a, a life-altering experience for many of us and which led to the birth of the character Mr. Esfahani, I don't think it would have been created were it not for COVID, you know? And so I do want to um, transition Mm -hmm. there, but I want to segue it by playing one of your clips, playing Mr. Esfahani. So we'll go ahead and play that real quick. And then when we come back in about 30 seconds, we'll be back with Payon's Banifaz. Let's do
2: it.
1: این کیه؟ یادت نره آشواره رو بذار بیرون، فردو جونم است. وای گاز میاد. بعد بریم هوم دیپو مگاز رو جدید بگیرن. میده الان چی میچس؟ یه آناناس. میگن انار برای قلب خوبه. انار داریم؟ این جانترولتاس؟ نو. No. این هری سانفورد یا استینگ؟ نیدر. وای گاز میاد. این گاز روشنه. ای بابا ای که من کو؟ این هری چتره؟ هو؟ هری چتر. یو مین هری پاتر؟ من یه بار تو فوتبال همچین توپ شوت کردم که پام شکست you Baba, joke. joke. a And back. All right. So that was another funny
0: clip from Payom playing the role of Mr. Esfahani. So, Payam, take me to March of 2020. Here you are, uh, you know, still working your ass off, trying to get roles and, you know, whatever you're doing in these TV shows, I'm I'm sure you're still looking for other roles to get that stability that you want. And all of a sudden, the world comes to a screeching halt. Uh, Before you even get to, like, Mr. Esfahani, can you kind of take us to your mindset at the time? Like... I I myself, not sure if you know that, but my main company was an entertainment company. So we were were the first domino that fell and the last one that's going to get up. I mean, we're literally still in it, just like you in many ways are. But I'm sure the world has kind of created some opportunities for you um, in some shape or form. So, but take us to like March 2020, the quarantine. And what kind of cultivated um, the ideas behind your series of videos that you're doing online on your couch, essentially?
2: Uh, I mean, so like, you know, as, as a working actor, literally, it's just, I get my money from booking jobs and whatnot. And and February had been a good month for me. I had worked on a film, uh, that's, you know, that's actually coming out towards the end of this year, hopefully. And it was a great time. It was exciting time. I I was looking forward to sort of just leveraging off sort of that. And, um, and then when this uh, pandemic hit, everything shut down. You know, I also, I'd I'd be performing um, comedic improv and comedy sketches all around Hollywood and at various theaters throughout the week. I'm doing like three, four shows a week. And all that came to a complete screeching halt. And it was just me alone in my house with Netflix and my laptop. And I was just so utterly bored. I really was never that interested in doing videos for Instagram. There's nothing I had nothing against it. It just didn't feel like something I particularly wanted to do or at the time didn't really even have the time to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But once I was just literally sitting on my butt and I was just bored and just anxious and reading about COVID news and numbers all day. And I was just like, okay, I got to do something to just sort of like feel creative and get my mind off things. So I just started making these little videos that I just thought just me and my friends on that I have on Instagram my other comedy and acting buddies would watch. And then Little by little, they just got, you know, I just got started doing different ones and stuff. Um, I had never really brought, I had never really incorporated Iranian culture much into my work. Um, not that I didn't want to, but just the opportunity hadn't been there. Mm-hmm. And I realized like, well, I have the opportunity to do it here. I, I control this Instagram. I can do pretty much whatever I want. And i felt very, very disappointed for a long time that in, uh, in mass media and in in films and TVs, that representation for not only Middle East, not only Iranians, but Middle Easters in general is so limited, limited, more limited than I would say pretty much every other minority. Um, I mean, I, I don't quote me on that. I know that there's there's a lot of there's it happens a lot. I don't want to compare, but let's just say the the, the amount end. of rep- it's on definitely on the lower end. You know, not uh, doesn't mean it's less or more than any other, less or more important than the other. But it's so low, and it's okay that it's low because for so many years, it was okay to look at Middle Easterns, Iranians, Arabs, Afghans as terrorists, as low life, as criminal, because you know, because there was sort of that war on terror and whatnot. It obviously trickled down to also the cultures. So it's like. It it really hurt the way people look at us to this day. If you think about it, the Iranian people haven't had a good thing said about them in the media in 40 something years, you know. Um, so I was like, I wanted to do something to just I don't know, like just even show people that I know that hey, I'm Iranian, this is actually my culture. Let me show you a little bit of it. Maybe you'll think it's funny and maybe you won't think it's something negative or there's a potential threat or that that maybe you you, i don't know I, I again i had no idea people would watch these videos
0: well this I was going to ask actually did you want to cater to a certain community or did you put out something and you got an overwhelming response from that persian community
2: exactly uh, the second
0: one i okay. was like i want to make these videos it was
2: literally i want to make a video so my american friends get an idea of this culture and my okay. culture Um, but then little by little, I just saw like Iranians commenting and liking and following me and, and, uh, uh, I was just really, really surprised. I didn't even think anybody would watch it. And then it just kind of like grew and grew and grew. And then once that happened and I saw that, and a lot of people reached out to me and, you know, just through their kindness and their support that they made me feel like hey, it is an important thing. If it's mm-hmm. making people happy, it's making people from my culture happy, yeah. especially, and mostly people from, like you said, people who are from like, who grew up like I did, like we did, you know, we just grew up in a different culture. And so we're sort of like bicultural, but living in one particular culture. And like, I think maybe that's why a lot of people, um, sort of were gravitated towards it for, for whatever reason they did. Um, and then, uh, so, I was very, very surprised and, and just kind of it was just very humbling because I'd never had an opportunity to really connect with my culture or my people in that level. I'd left Iran pretty early right. um, and uh, through that i've gotten so much more connected to my culture, and it's all thanks to the people who like reach out to me and just um and so now, I do want to cater to to Uh, Iranians, my goal is to uh, cater to Iranians everywhere, all over the world, but uh, even bigger than that is to cater to anybody who's a fan of comedy, anybody who's a fan of TV, film. That's the overall goal. To take it to a place where uh, as an Iranian-American, I can represent for Americans all over the world, uh, I mean, for people all over the world, it just so happens that I'm Iranian. You know what I mean? That get to a place of normalization where it's like the culture doesn't even matter anymore. Yeah.
0: Well, that's Um, that's what I was kind of alluding to, uh, earlier when I was like, I think this is kind of like what's driving him now. I feel like you just have constantly ideas in your head on like, man, I have an opportunity right now to really represent us and to tag team with other people that can help represent this. So is that it? Is that like, would you say that the pandemic has kind of like created this, um, opportunity for you to consider and like now maybe you're churning your head or maybe you've already begun uh the steps that you need to take to be able to take this onto the big screens or you know sitcoms or whatever like tell me if that's something that's right now in your future
2: absolutely absolutely that's that's really what i'm uh, sort of behind the scenes working on mostly is to be able to i'm working on a couple of different projects that uh trying to do this exact thing Mm -hmm. Um, you know, sell projects to, uh, major cable network and streaming companies, get that out there and let the people see it. Let the people judge it for itself. In the end of the day, my main thing is I want to make comedy that everybody can laugh at and everybody can enjoy. And if it's about Iranian people, Iranian culture, I mean, that's the ultimate goal. Would the ultimate consider- goal is yeah. Go
0: sorry, sorry, but I, would you want to like produce it and write it and and do all that, or would you like to t- team up with somebody where you're just a lead actor? What what is your involvement in your utopic, uh vision of this uh, grand project of yours? Well, the thing is,
2: um, I I believe, in, and I and I don't mean I don't want this to sound in any way, shape, or form arrogant. I I, I mean it as in in terms of what I think would be best for this for me it would be that i need to basically control the creative aspect of it um at least give me an opportunity to do so to, yeah. to showcase what it could be and you know if it's you know, basically like right now one of the projects that i'm working on, i can't talk about too much because of just I feel uh legalities um yeah. it's basically you know a project that i wrote with my writing partner that now we are taking a that with me attached that now we are taking around to sort of to sell it. Yeah. Um, but the thing is uh, if if I want to sort of break into it the way I want to, I feel like I have to be sort of steering the ship. On land, don't get me wrong, if a situation comes up where I can come on just as a lead actor to, it, I would never turn that down too because I I love collaborating. And there's so many damn talented people in the industry and so many talented Iranians that are coming up that, that, you know, are, are going to start getting in writer's rooms. They're going to start becoming producers. They're going to start becoming uh, development executives at, at networks and studios. That's really going to start happening. And these are the type of people I truly look forward to collaborating with um, within this sort of Hollywood system, because it's a, it's a crazy ass system. And it's like, we need as many of us, as we can to sort of like tell these stories to create this to create this sort of this image that I think we all want to create which is like to let people know that the Iranian culture is is something that you you know
0: it's it, more it's, than what the media portrays <laughs> much
2: more the media is portraying not even any aspect of the culture they're, they're, they're portraying the, the behavior of, of the government yeah. and Anyone in this country could say it is like, especially after four years of Trump, is like, hey, our government and the people who run our government are not representative of the values of the people, of the culture of this country. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with Iran. The, that government does not represent the values of the people. It does not represent the behavior and the hearts and the minds of the people. And I think anybody who's gone to Iran, any non-Iranian who's gone to Iran has seen that firsthand.
0: You know, well, so I, 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 guess- I I do believe we are going the right direction. I feel like, you know, people are getting on the diversity train more. People are you know accepting of different sexual orientations. And, you know, I, I think we're evolving. I hate to use that word yeah. because we should have evolved uh, thousands of years ago. But there's still right. some, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. And I, I I see a lot of potential in what the younger generation of Iranian, especially Americans, are doing. You know, you see people like Nasim Pedrad, you know, getting on TBS and doing her yes, own thing. Yes. It's not the, the most accurate depiction of whatever, but it's it's cool. It's just great to see that there's somebody, a young Iranian-American female that's producing it on TBS. You know, I mean, no matter what you think of the show, just, you know, doing that, I think it's it's impressive. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Her, yeah. for, you know, the fact that she came up with the idea, she wrote it, she directed the pilot. Yeah. also as as far as hollywood has come it's still uh, when, when it comes to the development and stuff it's still a boys club unfortunately yeah. so for a woman to come in there and and be able to get her vision across the screen, she had to really jump through yeah. hurdles she had to jump through hurdles that a, a man wouldn't have had and so like everyone should commend her and and respect for what she did she had a vision a very unique vision mm-hmm. that she fulfilled and that's hard to do no matter what let alone uh a, a woman of color it's and it's, um, it's
0: incredible uh what she's done the fact that she did that Chad character as a 13 year old boy i mean but anyway that's a right, right. that's a whole different thing um I hope, I hope to have her as a guest but that's incredible you know <laughs> right right um, it, it
2: absolutely, correct. Yeah.
0: So, so, but let's go ahead and now talk about Mr. Esfahani a little bit more. So, obviously, when you were sitting on the couch during pandemic, it just kind of evolved. What I want to know is really how accurate of a depiction is it to your real father? Is is it super accurate, or is it exaggerated, or what?
2: So, Mr. F- Mr. Esfahani. So, like, my the father character and Mr. Esfahani is separate because Mr. Esfahani is sort of the character that speaks English in like sort of like a with a with a strong like accent and um uh the dad character is just sort of like the dad character and he um you know my dad a lot of people ask me this is like hey is this was this how your dad was growing up and i would say no my dad wasn't like that i think that dad character is a much more exaggerated version of my dad mm-hmm. certainly it has aspects of my dad that i just took and sort of like exasperated to, to for comedic purposes I, I remember somebody had commented on one of my videos saying like this is not true you're exaggerating and I <laughs> didn't comment back but I wanted to say well that's you're kind of describing what comedy is you take something that has a true baseline and yeah. then you exaggerate it for so that's what I'm doing but that character is a mixture of a couple of including my own dad and some of my friends' dads that I knew Uh, growing up and, you know, and that's it. Like I had no idea that I was trying to like tap into some like collective uh, cultural experience. Mine was like, Hey, this is how the dads I know are. So I just did that. And then I had people It's like, Oh man, you know, it's so crazy that you know how all Persian dads act. I was like, no, I don't. I don't at all. All I know is how these dads act. That was all I was doing. So it took no greater understanding or intelligence on my part. It was just literally all I was doing is mimicking what I see. Yeah. Um. It just so happened that, damn, all our dads are
0: the same, I guess. that's It just happens to be like, that, I guess. Well, uh, well what, what was interesting is that a lot of the stuff that you have is super relatable to a lot of people, you know, and, and mm. it's definitely a lot of people do like it. And I think that, you know, you're kind of being like the social media darling of like the Persian community because whatever you put out 99% of people love it but I put up like one of the videos as like promotional for like tonight tonight's show and it was the one where you know the father was a little bit maybe aggressive and you know high anxiety I guess and this one of my friends she actually said nothing about this is funny I now realize my anxiety is driven by having a Persian mother who talks this way I choose to raise my kids differently and I want for you Because, man, I I didn't know how to answer it. All I said is, I can certainly respect your opinion. Even though I knew it, I was like, I don't even know how to answer that because I was like, wow, look how some people respond to this, which a lot of people find funny. Even if it's happening in their household, they still find it funny because they're like, that's just a Persian dad, Persian mom, accept it. It is what it is. How do you respond to this person who who, this was what they said?
2: Uh, First of all, how dare they? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. No, first, one thing with me is, my stuff is public so everybody has a right to their opinion. So like they like it, don't like it, they absolutely have a right to it. My thing what I would say to her is that like it seems like it kind of struck a chord. Maybe it struck a chord with you in a wrong way because you feel some type of trauma from that and I totally understand that. And if people are sort of getting triggered by these videos, I I I I am sorry about that. But at the same time if we don't make fun of the shit that triggered us and become aware of it, the shit that traumatized us and become aware of it and become aware of our triggers and, and sort of what to do when we're triggered by past trauma blah 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 all these you know terms uh I don't know they would like would never learn when from. is no when are we going to learn when are we going to heal mm-hmm. um and here's the thing it's like you have to laugh at we have to laugh at these things. Like we have to laugh at this sort of generational trauma that we've experienced. Cause you've already experienced it. It's already too late. Why not laugh at it? Why not laugh at its expense? Let's, you know, let's make jokes. Let's, when we laugh at shit, that's real, that's bothered us. It, it lets out steam. It takes the weight off it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychotherapist. I am not pretending to know what it does, but all I know is what it does for me. And
0: yeah, so you know, I, so I, 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 yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but
2: n- n- no, but I, I just would say that, like, that and I, to that person, that, that really doesn't offend me. Like, I, 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 I always do laugh at somebody that feels the need to like, really say what they're thinking in the comments, like, I didn't like this, or this is not funny, because that's just such so counter to how I am yeah. online, but at the same time, it's a public forum. It's a public video. She had every right to, you know, state her opinion. Uh, I hope that uh, whatever situation she's dealing with, you know,
0: she can work out. I I think you answered it in the best way possible. And that is that, you know, of course, she has every right to raise her kids the right way or different way. But that's the whole point is the fact that we do want to learn from any areas that, you know, our parents perhaps didn't, uh, you know, be I don't know, I don't want to say good parents, but, you know, we, we're all humans, you know, even when you're 40, 50, 60 years old and you have a child, it doesn't make you a know-it-all. It makes you somebody who's still going through the challenges of life while trying to raise a child, trying to be a good father, you know, and I feel like uh, Persians, especially the ones who kind of came out of Iran and, um, you know, we we make fun of our, our immigrant parents about the little things that they do that are, you know, the Persian parents stuff, but... Uh, they don't get all the respect that they deserve for how much trauma they had to go through and having to juggle raising children in a different culture, with a different language, you know, finding different jobs, losing everything financially. I mean, I can't even imagine doing that at age of 41, going to a country that I don't know the language, let alone having wife, children, and then, you know, dealing with the financial hardships, you know. And so... That's what I appreciate about what you're doing is the fact that it's creating these conversations, you know? What do you think about that?
2: I I, I mean, I appreciate that. I I would say to anybody who thinks, and and I hope nobody ever thinks I'm making light of anything in my videos, because if they do, please know that, like, the person that makes these videos has experienced the whole cycle of hardship of what it is to be an immigrant. Uh, So I take none of that lightly. I take, my dad was an executive at Chase Manhattan in Tehran when the revolution happened. When we were here with an MBA from Chicago, he was working, pushing boxes in uh, in a warehouse like 14 hours a day. So I've seen directly myself that road. So I would never make light of that. And what's even, the alternative?
0: And, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, but and, and I remember in an interview, you mentioned that when your mom came here, she had to start working for the very first she time. She had never just, worked before. Just like ever. many of our moms and dads, you know? I mean, yeah.
2: I remember she worked in somebody's garage. She was, like, she was basically secretary for this little mom and pop uh, like driver's training school. And there was roaches all in her office. And she hates roaches. And I remember it would just scare the shit out of her. Like, I saw all of that. No, I make light of nothing. The, the fact of the matter is, what's the alternative of this? Like Not talking about it. Not making fun of it. Having serious discussions about like what, what our families went through as immigrants. And stuff. Yeah, that's important. But at the same time making fun of it is different than making light of
0: it. Yeah, and and that's actually why my friend, um, I really wanted to have this conversation with you and why I became a fan and a supporter of your craft, because I knew that first of all, there's a humility behind who you are as a person. You know, like every interaction I've had with you, it was class, professional, kind. Um, and you know and you don't make fun of it you kind of make a a light of it and you bring in your creative aspect and you're super freaking talented you know like there's a lot of people like if i just if i hear one more person just making fun of like a quote-unquote fob accent like i just want to smack the screen because like Mm. i don't want that kind of shit i don't i don't want persians just putting down other persians you're not really putting us down you are just bringing a funny, creative, entertaining aspect to things that pretty much happen in many households, you know. And so um, that's the differentiation between you and other people who might just make it more comedic. And and that's why I wanted to start this conversation with the backstory of who you are, where you were raised, the trauma you went through, the, the hardships of going through growing up in not exactly Rodeo Boulevard or in Westwood, like, hundreds of thousands of your fellow Persians did. That's got to be hard, in my opinion, that you go to L.A. and you're not like the rich Persians you know, in, in that neighborhood. That doesn't make life easier, you know. And so, like, you fought through that and, you know, you were built differently, you know. And I respect that about you. And kudos to you for now still trying to come and create conversations for the Persian community through your work you could easily be like screw you Persians you know i'm just going to do my own thing but yet you've navigated yourself whether it's by chance or pandemic or your personal interest to here you are which is great man i love that
2: uh, i appreciate that man thank you so much i really appreciate that i think uh, you're class personified yourself my man <laughs> i uh thank you no of course i yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, luckily, I didn't know Iranians in, in, this con- in this country or in this city, at least, were known to be affluent. I really didn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until, like, a little bit later I found, I was like, oh, these, you know, uh, Iranians do well in this, uh, in this city. But in, in fact, that more just inspired me, to be honest. Like, I was like, okay, cool. See, like, people don't care. Yeah. Um, although it's not true. People do care. Because, like, you know, I still, ex- we still experience, like, we'd go to soccer games back in the days in the 80s, early 90s. And there was still people like waving, like, uh, like, you know, Iranians go home and stuff like that. Like sort of like do, uh, and it was, you know, still after the whole Iran hostage crisis. And so there was still a lot of like animosity, but, um, you know, another thing is that I don't pretend that my videos are anything more than they are. They're just little silly ass videos. I'm a grown ass man. I'm making on my freaking couch with shitty sound. And then I edit them on a fucking iMovie and then I put them out on Instagram, a free account. So it's like, I never, I'm trying to be like, I'm, I'm nothing more than just sort of like that, yeah. uh, um, in those I mean, at least my videos, you know, like I, I have a lot of pride in, I mean, I have pride in my body of work in the videos too, but like the work that I've really put it in my life is in my live shows and like, you know, TV and film and, and whatnot. So I'm not very high and mighty about my videos. My thing is like, hey, it's a minute of your time. If you like it, great. Please you know, follow me, like, comment if you can. If you don't like it, it was a minute of your time. You know, like that's, and no uh, no hard feelings. That's kind of how there's, I feel. There's, eight, there's
0: it. 8 billion other people that you could follow. Um, but yeah, so speaking, sure, of, sure. Spe- speaking of you being, uh, you know, not taking your videos too seriously and stuff. One thing that I noticed is that you're very open about marijuana, weed joints and all that stuff. So tell, tell me if at any point you felt a little bit of apprehension now that you're like kind of thrusted into the Persian demographic that like, oh, should I tone shit down now? Like, because I love smoking weed and it makes me feel relaxed or creative or whatever, like whatever your re- reason is, is kudos to you. But did you ever have apprehensions about posting anything about weed? Because you actually made one video that was, you know, putting it right out there, which was, you know, kind of like avant-garde.
2: That's what I was going for. Just avant- pure avant-garde. No, <laughs> no. I, uh, so here's the thing. The truth is, yes, I have scaled it back in videos because as people, more people have seen it, I've gotten a lot of different videos from people whose kids are sort of like imitating some of the characters they're doing. And then, you know, they send it to me. It's like, hey, look what my son was doing from mm. watching. And then when I started seeing that, And I have a special affinity for children. So like when I started seeing that, I just didn't really feel comfortable putting it out there like that. And, or I, if I find the thing is, I also don't want to limit myself. So I might find a way of just, if I can find a way of just sort of like almost letting parents know like, Hey, this particular video might not be appropriate for your kid. You might, or you might not think it's appropriate. Right. Uh, I would like to do that because um, I do want to just, because that, you know, I smoke weed. I'm from LA it's legal. I'm a you know grown man uh it relaxes me it, it helps me with sleep uh I don't abuse it because I'm just not that kind of person yes. and actually why, why don't
0: you share like any kind of medical benefits that use medicinal benefits like- t- tell us like all the good stuff that uh you get from smoking weed
2: well, I'll tell you um nothing helps me with like falling asleep like weed like there's been times in my life where I didn't smoke and I had awful time falling asleep. And what was a uh, you know, I exercise, I'm doing everything I, I can, but I still can't, there are still these periods where I would experience not being able to fall asleep properly, or I would wake up like 80 times in the middle of the night or something. Um, and when, from anybody who's tried a lot, some of these prescription drugs to fall asleep, they make you feel freaking weird and you have weird ass dreams and you, uh, and I just didn't like it. So, But weed is the one that's consistently helped me fall asleep in a way that doesn't feel I'm being drugged. I feel like I'm just, you know, you get tired and then you fall asleep and it just feels like a more of a normal sleep pattern. Um, Another thing is just, it relaxes me. It's one of the only thing that can really, other than exercise, just really relax me if I'm tense or stressed out about something. I don't really like to like you know, some people like this quote unquote self-medicate themselves with alcohol if they they'll have a few drinks when they're stressed out. I'm not that I like drinking, but for social fun reasons, not mm. to get rid of stress. Um right. you know, alcohol is a it's a depressant. And so like you might feel fun, you know, you're having fun Friday night, but Saturday you're feeling like crap. Oh, and awesome. so weed doesn't do that to me. And so uh, the decisions I make with weed have really been based on Outside of just obviously like recreational use, like mm-hmm. it has a true medicinal and healthy uh, benefit for f- benefit for me in my life. And everybody's different, you know. Some people get anxiety from it. Some people it takes their anxiety away. I'm
0: not, I'm some like, people I'm get not, yeah. I'm not gonna lie, man. There was a part of me that wanted to have an Elon Musk, Joe Rogan moment with you, you know where we just kind of like light up a joint and, and we just kind of, you know, break a little bit of uh, the stigma that's around Persians and, and weed and stuff, you know, but I, I held. Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, man. Then we got to do that another time. Cause I got one right next to me. And we can get, <laughs> we can yeah. get going right away. Yeah. Th- that's another thing. It's like this, because now that I have like, because I've had like people that are a little bit older and people that are younger, not watching these videos. Mm-hmm. I guess the sort of the Iranian part of me comes out where it's like, well, you know what? And then like, I don't know. I, I want to find a way to do that, maybe a little bit more responsibly. Simply because, just I, I don't know if there's kids I, I, I watching. It. Yeah. yeah,
0: no, I I get it. And I mean, like, th- I could see how that's kind of hard, especially Persian. We're family oriented. If there are aunts and uncles that are sending these cute little videos or whatever, like that's that's man, that's very respectful of you to kind of like to- tone it down, I guess, or or not let it supersede anything, I guess, you know. So I, I'll show you. Yeah. On.
2: Well, the thing is, I was kind of like just okay. What am I losing if I don't do that? If I don't bring it in, I don't. I don't think I'm losing much. You know what I'm saying? I'm not. I can't subjugate myself. I can't hold myself back. I yeah. think as someone like the, the creator or whatever, uh, it doesn't feel right. But in this case, I I thought it was, it, it was something I could hold back. You know, um, and uh, hey, if I ever get a fun idea and I want to do something with it, I'll do it. But I'll certainly think of what's the most responsible way to get it out there without, you know, my biggest, I don't, I'm not worried about what adults say. Because if you, if in two, if 2021, you're still thinking about weed, like it's if like, if your animal is smoking opium, but it's complaining about weed, then you, you know, I think the priorities are mixed up. You know what I'm saying? Like, so like, I'm not worried about what the grown adults think. Like, I, I, I don't have that part of me that's like worried that like a, a loose face in front of, iranians or in front of anybody you know like i am very transparent for the most part with who i am what i do and uh you know so like i'm more worried about kids i guess i I,
0: I do feel like you're very comfortable in your skin and who you are at this stage in your life and just keep on being genuine authentic like you are and i'm sure that uh those who are meant to connect with you they will and those who aren't they can thank you man that's not for everybody all right so listen there's a couple of things because i told you like um that there's so many things that i really want to talk to you about but obviously for time reasons i i had to pick and choose so some of the things i'm just going to do like kind of like rapid fire if you don't mind sure yeah 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 so i'll be quick especially because i have a couple of friends my friend shazad like in our group chat was really excited that i was going to be having you as a guest so there was a couple things she was curious about so i'm going to include those in there um in no particular order since i know that you're one of your favorite like uh, singers were or rappers
2: were Tupac. What's your favorite Tupac song of all time? My favorite Tupac song of all time. This is very very difficult because there's so many of them. But the one that makes me the happiest every time I hear it, I go whoa, like one of those oh. How and do you, you want it? Uh, picture me rolling. Oh okay, all right. number well, one. number eight. <laughs> number eight. Are you still down? Uh, disc two, number eight. What I love about this song is it felt like Tupac's victory lap. Yeah. Where he basically says, screw all of you who doubted me, screw all of you who turned against me, I'm finally doing it. And, 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 and you feel a level of freedom, a little bit of a level of weight lifted off his shoulder. And I would say that's what any creator, any entertainer who's really trying to come up, you live with that weight until that weight finally is removed when people can see who you finally are and, and appreciate you for your heart. So it, not only do I love it, but it means a lot to me personally.
0: Well, you said one word feel and like I, I was a huge Tupac song. Like I, I i mean, um fan. I loved his music and you could feel when, like when he would rap and speak and sing, like it was just you could just feel it right there. It was incredible. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. A, a young talent. But, you know, if you it was always the Tupac versus Biggie, if we want to give some love and respect to Biggie, is there a certain Biggie song that you admired or were you like totally team Tupac and that was it?
2: um you know i was at the time because i'm such a like as we were such we had so much pride in the city where we in la was a big thing was a big thing for us so like we didn't like the fact that we felt like this was a new york against la thing so like we we're young and stupid we'd say ah you know fucking new york this that but <laughs> we all respected biggie i always respected biggie It's okay. truly is it, you know i i, I you know, I I don't even like to say who's first or who's second. It's just, you like you, you, I usually somebody likes one better than the other for whatever reason. And Biggie's fantastic. And I think the song that I'll always, always love another song that when it comes up, no matter what, I'll always like, Whoa, is, um, is, uh, I love it. When you call me big Big pop. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, man, I love the, the Isley brothers. Uh, you know, that, that's because when I first started listening to that music, I did, had, didn't know much about the Isley Brothers. I'd maybe hear a few songs from them, but like yeah. listening to that old school hip hop, you then learned about where they got those samples from. Of and course. then you, I started listening to the Isley Brothers and Al Green. And uh, it opened man, you up Teddy, to a
0: whole new world of incredible music. A whole you, new world. whole like new un, world. Unlocking a, tre- a treasure trove. <laughs> oh, man, um, absolutely okay a, a random question it wasn't mine it was a fan question are you seeing someone uh putting no, you on no, blast here more. putting you on blast there, sorry okay so no i
2: recently i uh uh no i'm not seeing so, anybody. somebody's
0: trying to play matchmaker so I, I was like you know what i don't know but i can ask you know um right what was um what living actor would you want to work with for you to say i've truly made it to the top is there somebody that you aspire to work with
2: uh, this is going to sound like a very Persian answer, but yeah, Robert De Niro. I, uh, I, um, when I, I came when I first came to the country. Like I was here in '89 and '1990, Goodfellas came out, and that's when I first saw it. Mm. And I was just like, I don't know. Even at that age, I was just blown away, uh, and uh, I just I thought he was just this unique actor. I love the idea that he was just this sort of tough, strong presence, but he could also be sort of like light, delicate, I, I, he's just a fantastic actor. Um, but I also would love, 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 absolutely love to work with Denzel, uh, love to work with oh, uh, Meryl ben Streep. Ben. Uh, you know, um, I would, yeah, I mean. Um, you actually did
0: a great impersonation of, of Robert De Niro. I don't know if you did a good one with Denzel <laughs> and Meryl Streep, but the one of Robert De Niro was pretty damn good.
2: Yeah, thanks. I mean, Robert De Niro is like... I Because I can't do a Robert De Niro voice, but it, almost like anybody can do the... Like, like, I don't know. I don't know, but I can't do his, like, voice and stuff. He has, like, a very hard-to-imitate voice, in my opinion. I'm not great at imitations in general. So. Is,
0: is, is there is there one that you would like to improvise right now? Is there one certain person that you just do that would all know exactly who it is? Uh,
2: Okay, I'm going to do it, and let me know if you... Th- think you know who this is right. but i mean it's uh okay uh, <laughs> this is gonna be awful because i can just do this one okay so wow wow
0: oh is this the asian guy yeah. um no
2: no 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 oh. it's
0: uh it's it's
2: <laughs> no i would never do it i uh, uh it's Owen Wilson.
0: Yeah. I, oh wow. wow.
2: Yes. So. Actually, that was good. Actually. Oh wait, 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 wait. Wow. No. So that's now that I've done an awful job. It's uh, it's time for me to move. No, that was great. Uh, no. But I, again, I'm, I, folks, I'm terrible at impressions. I'm just, I wish I was better at them. I tried when I was young, and I could just, uh, I have so much respect for people who are good at impressions because it's like, you either have it or you, or you don't. It's one of those things like that. Yeah.
0: Who, who's um what first of all, when is your next like uh persian dance hit uh video gonna come out where you have you know you've made like three or four series of videos imitating different dan- is there one in the works do you have any more left in your in your bag of tricks um even though those dances are really stupid for some reason for me they're really hard
2: to think come up with them like they're like they're like i don't know i i you know yeah i i, I definitely i'm there will definitely be another one i'll, I'll do um Uh, just, I got to get a little bit more time to come up with some. I'm
0: surprised you came up with those 30, 40 already. That was a lot. You did three different videos with like 10 each. That was impressive.
2: I I had a lot. I think I had a lot in me and then I just sort of, uh, it all got out. And now I'm like, okay, uh, can't think of (laughs) it.
0: Um, you're, you're also very like nimble when I see those videos, you know, I don't, you know, you do the warm and you do a lot of different things. So I think you're into yoga probably
2: uh no i actually uh according to my mom she she thinks like uh i would sleep better and have less stress in general uh if i did yoga um which I, i should probably should but no i i used to break dance when i was a kid so that helped a little bit um i started training boxing when i was like 18 and that helped a lot with sort of makes you kind of light on your feet i guess so like Maybe that's one of the reasons. Um I also always loved to dance when I was a kid and maybe that's a little bit of that stuck with me. I'm also I don't know if people can tell, I'm kind of a small guy, so it's easier for me to be nimble. Uh, yeah, so, I'm not so, a big so guy, I guess
0: so. you're officially a triple threat because you also have your auto-tune songs, so you have some hit songs, you can act, you can improvise, you can dance. I mean, dude, I mean you either you need to be in Broadway or you need to just kind of uh you know create a whole new role where you play all these different uh talents, I guess. I don't know incredible talent man good for you keep it
2: up I appreciate that man thank you so much um, I really appreciate
0: that All right so I'm just so in in closing I always like to give the virtual stage to our guests to talk about whatever it is that they're passionate about that they want kind of like a message to the world whatever it may be so uh, in closing I do want to appreciate you being uh, a part of this mm-hmm. awesome people podcast and it's all yours my friend Thank you so much, man.
2: Uh, you know, I, I think what I would want to say something that's, I guess, at this point is people have heard it ad nauseum. But it's like, if you love something and you are willing to sacrifice for it, don't ever give up. That's I, everybody that I see that's successful. The one thing they all have in common in their road to getting there is that they didn't give up. And I think, obviously, sometimes it's much, much easier to say than to do. But I can tell you just from my own life, the, the doors that have been shut in my face time and time again that led to other doors opening, I've seen it in my own life time and time again. And I've seen it in the life of my constituent, constituents and my peers. And they all share the same thing. And another thing I would say is, like whatever you're doing, Whatever your dream is, whatever you want your work to be, the, you can't, we can't control anything that happens to us. We can't really control anything that happens to us in our career. But the thing that we can control is how much work we put into it. We can control, you know, for me, let's say when I go into audition, I can't control if I get that job. No matter how great the audition was or whatnot. But I can control how much work I put into it. How much I prepared. My self-belief. How I talk to myself you know and those are the things we can control and i think those are the things that we should always be on top of again easier said than done but i truly believe as human beings if we are honest with ourselves and we bust our ass we don't give up we really are the masters of our destiny
0: yeah i mean basically and, my, um, my mindset and work ethic i believe are just basically two things that you just kind of encapsulated in your closing statement you know i know you have a you. Uh, a positive mindset and I know you have great work ethic and it shows in your work you know like you always people when when people look at something they know if it's quality or not and quality doesn't come by pure chance the cream always rises to the top and um you know I, I know that you have higher aspirations as an as an actor but I hope that what's happened in the past twelve months is a great stepping stone that has allowed you to kind of like showcase your versatility to a lot more people and I'm so happy that the Persian community has embraced you albeit, Virtually, you know, and hopefully they'll be sure. introducing you in person, and, and you know, good stuff. Absolutely,
2: and and if I could just say um, again, you know, the the though I said it was never my aspirate, I never intended for the videos for to, for people to see them or even care. Just the fact that it has happened and the level of support I've gotten from from my fellow Iranians all around the world is just absolutely blowing me away. So, whoever's watching this, I just please. Uh, just, I just want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for all your support. Um, I'm sorry I don't always get to uh, answer people, everyone's messages or, or uh, respond to comments, but uh, it just please know that it means the world for me, and uh, I, I can I can't thank you enough for for the support to everybody out there. Thank you so much.
0: You, you deserve it, man, and I appreciate you responding to it. my appreciate message it, and accepting this invitation to let me thank introduce you. you to those who haven't gotten to know. Payam Banifaz as an individual, you know, so I I really appreciate your time. And in closing, we're going to play uh, another one of Payam's clips that I hope will make you laugh. And thank you, Payam, on behalf of a a lot of persons around the world for bringing us joy with your craft. And we wish you nothing but the best. Uh, I'm rooting for you. And I know that a lot of people are. So uh, take great care of all that support you're getting and let it take you to the next level, you know, and looking forward to seeing what's coming up.
2: Thank you so much, brother. Thank you. Love to you all. Thank all right. you. Ladies
0: and gentlemen, Thank thanks you. for joining. Awesome people. Don't forget to please uh, click you. the subscribe button, click the like button, comment. And if you want to uh, follow uh, Payom, you can follow him on Instagram at P. Show him some love by subscribing to his page or following his page and and continue to support this hardworking Iranian-American. Much love to you guys. And uh, Zendigi this Thursday night featuring DJ Ari Jam. See you guys and good night. Shabrush.
1: چای زیادی داغ نخوری یا سرطان میگیری بیرون بدون کت نری یا میگیری سامان میخوری تپ میکنی یا میمیری مگه نگفتم تو خونه ندا میگیری میوفتی سرت میشکره میمیری بسگاه معلوم دست نزنی یا یدنشون گازت میگیره این ریبیز پداتو در میاره اینقدر به تلفنت نگاه نکنی ها هر دو تا چشات چپ میشن بعد چی کار میکنی اینقدر تلویزیون نگاه نکن بذ گفتم تا چشات کور میشن بعد چی کار میکنه این پنجره اتاق امشب ببندی کسی میکنه می این تو زیادی بلند نکنی به پلیس میزنه می دستگیرت میکنه یادون از این همساهای پلیس زنگ میاد میان خفت میکنن ای بابا چیکار داری میکنی احمق به گربه معلوم دست نزن رهبیس میگیری پدر در میاد یا اصلا پلیس سنگ میزنن میان دستگیرت میکنن احمق احمق